2: Kevin Inquiry on
3: 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan.
0: Craig Rakeshaw here in just a second. We were talking before the break about, you know, international students and, you know, being here on an educational visa and the NIL impact and, and the restrictions on that from someone that would be in the know on this. said that it's just not specific to an NIL thing. It's more of a larger visa issue of just the inability to earn income, period while in the States on an educational visa of, you know, if you just want to go get a job at some local fast food joint or something, uh, you can, if you're here on a work visa, but not on an education visa. So again, we'll see if that gets cleared up at all. Um, obviously from a general standpoint, but specifically to Zach Eadie's case, if that impacts him returning at all to Purdue. All right, let's head to the Payless stickers hotline. Greg Gregstraw, ISC sports network. Obviously, a busy, busy man, and one of his many Christmas days will be tomorrow over at Gamebridge Fieldhouse for the boys' basketball state finals. Rake, I actually wanted to begin here. Um, Mike Shrewsbury had a really cool story in explaining part of the reason why he took the Notre Dame job. He did an interview with like the Penn State local beat writer last night and showed him a video of the scene of Kokomo and Penn semi-state game from Saturday night. And it was, I think, Micah Shrewsbury kind of saying to this guy, like, it's just different here in Indiana. And if I can ever, if I ever had the opportunity to get back there at a major program, I was going to do it. Um, And I thought that was pretty cool. Obviously, there's a lot of semi-state scenes that he could show. Penn having a Notre Dame commit, probably why he wanted to show the guy that. um, But just kind of a pretty cool angle to Micah Shrewsbury wanted to come home.
3: Yeah, and, and, and again, uh, you've heard me say that I thought he was a candidate for that job You know, from, from the jump. Uh, I thought he was a great hire for Notre Dame. And to me, part of the reason why I left Penn State was not what they could do financially, uh, without the resources they could put together. It's just historically, I mean, that was their first last week, their first NCAA tournament win in 22 years. But they have this great facility in the Bryce Jordan Center. And no one is ever there. And, and I realize that, that with winning comes more fans. But historically, you know, the Big Ten normally plays to full houses or close to full houses. That thing is never close to full. You also have to recruit to State College Pennsylvania. It's beautiful, but it's not close to, It's not close to Philly. It's not close to Pittsburgh. It is the middle of nowhere. And so there are challenges in Notre Dame. Absolutely but I think he's got a much better chance of being successful on a regular basis, which Mike Bray has proven you can do in South Bend, Indiana. So I thought he was a natural fit for it. I'm very happy for Mike. It's funny to me, Greg,
2: because, and maybe it's just, this actually might be the era in which I grew up, but I still think of even with, I mean, Mike Bray had success, as you mentioned. I mean, there were some really good, you know, hell Notre Dame was the closest team to beating Kentucky when they, got to the Final Four undefeated. But I still think of Notre Dame as like a top probably 20 college basketball program historically. I'm not saying right now, but just historically. They've had great teams, great moments, great players, you know, legendary players in the game of basketball. It's just been a while and it's not been consistent and it's probably been in the shadows, even in their dominant eras. Or their best eras by their standards, of like DePaul in the same background and Indiana, obviously. But it does to me feel like a place that's kind of a sleeping giant.
3: Sure. And I mean, and and again, let's talk about, you know, when you grew up, people have talked about Notre Dame and NBC for 30 years. People forget Notre Dame and NBC was a basketball connection before it was a football connection. And so from the mid 70s to, say, the mid 80s, You know, you would see Notre Dame play this national schedule. You would see them play every Saturday afternoon on your television. Again, you think of the cavalcade of stars they had from the start of the Digger Phelps era until about the mid-'80s. Those are some really good basketball players. And while maybe Mike Bray was never able to capture that same star quality, because of during his tenure, they were in a conference the entire time, it made it easier for that program to go out and be successful. And again, the fact that he's able to take Notre Dame to -to back-to-back elite age was something really impressive. And I think in the ACC, I think the ACC is in a period of transition. Let's face it, Duke was out in the second round. Coach Kay's no longer there. North Carolina was not an NCAA tournament team this year. Roy Williams is no longer there. They're great programs in the ACC. But you can get to the top of that league, I think, maybe a little more quickly than you could in years gone by. And I'm, I'm really curious, and you were talking about name, image, and likeness stuff. I'm very curious as to, I don't think NIL is going to be a problem Notre Dame. Raising funds is not our issue there. And I, and I don't think the transfer portal is going to be a problem because of, think of how many transfers that Mike Bray has had over the years. And it's worked out pretty well for him there, too. So given all those factors, you can put together a good team really quickly at Notre Dame, which is why, again, I expect Mike and Shrewsbury to be successful from the jump.
0: Kenny's great. Greg jaw. And that's just music to my ear. So thank you, Rake, for making me feel good on this Friday. <laughs> um, ISC sports network. And I obviously we'll get to the state finals here in just a second, but we had Kyle Nenrip on earlier this week. And I want to ask him, or I want to ask you a very similar question. I asked him of, you know, you get deep in the tournament rake and you do have local ties still in it. We saw John L Davis interviewed last night and I get, he's from, you know, a pocket of the state. We don't talk a ton about in Gary or, you know, Jack Nungie later tonight from Evansville playing for Xavier, obviously Nigel Pack here locally with Miami. Uh, any stories on any of those three? I, I feel like those are the main three from a local standpoint, playing still left in the tournament.
3: Sure, and and we talked about this thing last week to Jack. Given part of the reason why he is at Xavier, I am so happy for any success that that young man has in his career. Uh, I feel good for John L. Davis too, because I think John L. would be a much more known quantity in this state had he not been a senior in 2020, because his school, Gary 21st Century, which has now grown to a two A school, was a one A school when he played there. I firmly believe they would have been the state champs in 2020. And COVID hits, and that's that's the end of that. Uh, he also would have been an Indiana All Star. He wasn't Indiana All Star, so didn't have a chance to play, uh, and so he would have been a much more known commodity in this state. Had those couple of things not happen, so I'm happy for the success that he has had. And, you know, I had the pleasure of watching Nigel play a lot, his junior and senior years at Lawrence Central. And I always thought that, you know, he should have been maybe even more in the Mr. Basketball discussion. His senior went to Anthony Leal. It was really down to Leal and, and Tony Perkins seemingly as to who was going to get that nodded again. He was twenty twenty so he didn't get to, he was on the team, didn't get a chance to play on the Indiana All Star team. But I sit here and watch Nigel and I think about the talent that was on that L C team. And if you go back a year earlier, you've got Jake Laravia, first-round draft pick, Tay Davis, Dre Davis, both playing at Seton Hall, and Nigel Pack now playing in the ACC after playing at Kansas State, who is now in the Elite Eight as well. So, uh, But I have always been thoroughly impressed with Nigel Pack's game.
2: Greg, shifting gears to this weekend and high school basketball. High school, I know, is on your mind because I saw that you had um... – I don't know if it was impromptu high school reunion, but <laughs> got together. You guys went to – you grew up in Lanesville, Indiana, right?
3: That is correct, sir, yes. So that's
2: down near New Albany, Louisville area, correct?
3: Correct. That is that is equidistant, to use a big old fancy word that wouldn't be used in Lanesville. Uh, between Cordon and New Albany is where Lanesville is located. Okay,
2: and so you have – of your graduating class of six – one of them lives in Cincinnati or something. And so you guys got together, I guess, in Greensburg. Is that right, or Batesville?
3: In, in Greensburg, we made Brian drive a little more. And my graduating class was was not six. It was almost five times more than six. Ooh. Almost. It was 29. Brian and I were in the same class. Rachel in that picture was two years behind us. And then Steve, uh, who you could tell was a pretty good doubles player because of his height, he was in the class between the two of us. He was a year behind us.
0: You need a couple gotcha. booths at La Rosa's and Batesville then, right? What's that? You need Greensburg. a couple booths. Oh, Greensburg. They uh, went to go we see the tree in the corner. Right. Maybe there's a La Rosa's in Greensburg too.
3: There is, there is not. And that is the that is the way of telling that you are really in Cincinnati and not in Indianapolis anymore is the fact that the two first restaurant you see at the Batesville exit exit 149 are La Rosa's and Skyline. <laughs> That's the official gateway to Cincinnati. Those two things don't exist in Greensburg. Greensburg, hence, still a part of Indianapolis.
2: Um, Ray, from the high school standpoint, and I probably should have asked you this earlier this year, I always get confused by it. Badunga or Badunga?
3: Badunga. We said Badunga last year and took Flory, kind of like Bobby O'Carriquet or Antoine Bethea, a year to correct us. Badunga.
2: Okay, so Flory, Badunga. Um, Two-part question, I guess. The first one would be, we were just discussing like the NIL stuff in terms of because he is here, obviously he didn't grow up in the United States. He's from the Congo. It, it, does any of that get complicated in terms of his recruiting? And then number two, um, is it possible this is the last chance you're going to see him play for Kokomo High School?
3: No, on the second I think he's staying. Um, and again, he, he is attached to a family in the in the Adams family that is very well connected uh, in terms of AAU circles. Uh, exactly. I figured there would be a finger snap coming in at some point in time. Strong snap right there. Is involved in his, uh, in, in, in his recruitment. Um, it, it, it is, it, it, he's going to stay. Uh, and, and let's face it. So many kids, you know, go to the AU or, or, or I should say the prep program route or almost like this national level of high school, you know, originally Oak Hill, Montvert, IMG, La Mir, etc., because they feel they need to up their recruitment. Well, Every coach known to man has flown to Kokomo to watch him play at some point in time this year. So there is nothing from a recruiting standpoint I think he would gain by doing that. His head coach in John Peckinpah is, you know, was a former college coach, you know, is, was an assistant coach at IPFW, was a head coach at the Division II level. You know, he's less than 15 years removed from being a college basketball player. Um, he gets a very good level of coaching at Kokomo High School. Um, there may not be th- th- that great of talent around him next year because a lot of a lot of senior kids that are really probably more football players uh, in terms of what their future is going to be than basketball players. So the roster might look a little different next year. But I think I think his family values as well. They should um, the absolute you know. Um, trying to think of the best way to phrase this the reverence that he and kokomo basketball have been held in since he came to town two years ago i mean think of you you you, you use the example of showing the crowd between kokomo and Penn for the semi-state that's kokomo every game at this point you know we i'm curious next year if we start to get to like damon bailey territory in terms of teams that are hosting kokomo says you know what our gym seats 4,000. Let's find a gym that seats seven or 8,000 because we can have seven or 8,000 tickets. That is the level of interest in watching this young man and that team play. So I think for a lot of reasons, that kid's staying in Kokomo. Are they one. more than just
2: Flory in terms of this matchup with undefeated Ben Davis, or is it literally Ben Davis, which interestingly enough is, I think, a really balanced team, taking on one really unstoppable guy in four complementary pieces. I mean, that is no slight to the sure. rest of the roster for Kokomo. I just don't know how they're constructed. And so that they're—thus my question.
3: They, they will play about a seven or eight-man rotation. Uh, they've got Zion Bellamy, Reese Beard, Shane Spear, Patrick Hartman, Carson Rogers. Um, and, again, most of those kids, like, for example, it was a little bit of a struggle out of the gate for Kokomo. Uh, they lost to Westfield, who was a good team, not a great team this year. Lost to Westfield in game number one in part because Kokomo made the football semi-state in 4A this past year, and which meant they were playing basically up until the week and before the first game. A lot of their kids are football kids. They had five practices uh, before they then played Westfield in game number one. Um, so, again, they've got, they've got good athletes, good solid high school basketball players, None other big-time recruits. Uh, you know, this is not like Ben Davis, who have their four senior starters, two are playing Division I basketball next year, two are playing Division II basketball next year. Another starter is going to be either a D1 football or basketball player in a couple of years, and there's likely a Division I player or two that are coming off the bench for Ben Davis because they're underclassmen. That's not the case for Kokomo. Now, they've got a couple of kids that will play college football next year, one at Finley and Shane Spear. That one's going to play at Manchester at the Division Three level. They have another senior that's deciding whether I'm playing baseball or basketball. So they're a good team, but Ben Davis one through five is more talented than Kokomo is. But if you're asking for by far the highest level national recruit in that game, it's Flori Badunga.
0: Again, Greg Rakestraw is with us. He'll be over at Gamebridge Fieldhouse, I believe, 3A and 4A on the rake plate coming up tomorrow night. Um, Boy, every time I think of John Paul Rake, I think of him wrestling Greg Oden in the post right. his Muncie, <laughs> or him rocking the helmet that he had at uh, IPFW. Uh, let's go to the 3A game. One of my favorite humans, Bobby Allen, coaching Garen Uh, they have had a kind of a – I would say a bit of an odd season of like you got to the tournament. I don't know if anyone called them necessarily a favorite. And then, Rake, you look at their scores here throughout the tournament. I think every win is by double figures. Uh, yep. Thoughts on the 3A matchup between Northwood and Garen
3: so, so Garen Catholic is part of kind of the, one of the most open halves of the bracket I have ever seen um, because there was, there was no favorite in 3A South. You know, so much of the conversation was about North Davies, who had went from 1A to 2A on enrollment and then said, you know what, we'll bump to 3A and we'll play at the 3A level. And it was, okay, could they pull this off? And they got beat by Scottsburg in the morning game in the semi-state. Garen in their two sectional games – beat conference rivals in Burbuff and Chittard that beat them during the course of the regular season. Um, And, and yes, they have won every game by double digits. All those games have been between kind of 12 and 16 points. They were up by 22 in the semi-state final against Scottsburg. They also had a game rained out. They had a rain delay. Um, There was a leaky roof on sectional Friday night at Short Ridge. They had to come back and play the last three minutes of the game the next night and kind of got through that hurdle too. Um, in terms of the matchup, they are they are, are a big and physical team, which is good because Northwood has really good size and they're a really experienced team. And they've got a couple of kids that are playing basketball in the crossroads league next year, maybe a division one young man in Tyler Roche, who is a 6 eight sophomore. So Northwood's not very deep, but the five or six kids that play are all really good and they have consistently been the best team outside of 4A this year. So I think Garen can imagine with, from a physicality standpoint, I expect a low-scoring half-court game between those two tomorrow night and 3A.
0: Did I hear you correctly in Bobby Allen and 3A at Cathedral and Don Carlisle and 4A at Ben Davis? they If they win their respective state titles coming up Saturday night, They'd be just one of like four or five individuals in the state history to win as a player and as a coach, a state title? That is
3: correct. The, the last one to pull it off was Pete Turgovich 1971 player, East Chicago, Washington, 2007, East Chicago Central. Burl Friddle of Franklin Wonder 5 fame was the first guy to do it, playing for Franklin, coached at Washington, won a state championship elsewhere as well. There had been four. Bobby Allen would be five. Don Carlisle then would be five or six, depending on what happens in the 3A game. Isn't
2: there some – That's pretty cool. Isn't there like a weird quirk there, Greg, where East Chicago Central was – like East Chicago Washington joined with others to become sure. East Chicago Central. Is that correct?
3: Correct. So what you're referring to is Don Carlisle would technically be the first person to do it at both at his alma mater. In other words, all those other – those four previous people to do that were a player at one school and coach at another – the asterisk slash technicality is Pete Turgovich is at East Chicago, Washington. That school merged in the 80s with East Chicago Central. So technically it's not the same school, gotcha. but it is the same school Yeah, it's kind of like,
2: kinda like yeah. Anderson, right? I mean, Madison Heights and Anderson and, and Anderson Highland and how
3: that's all kind Correct. of merged together, yeah. Correct, absolutely.
2: Rick, uh, before, before we
0: let you go, it's more of just kind of an astonishing thing when I looked at it. So Ben Davis, they win on Saturday. They go undefeated. That would just be the second undefeated state title team we've had since 09?
3: I uh, believe so. Um, we had we had a run of those in like the the early 2000s. Um, but yes, Warren Central 32 and 0, Ben Davis 33 and 0, and it would be the second most wins in an undefeated season. Actually, I'm sorry, it'd be the most wins in an undefeated season in the history of Indiana high school basketball, and it would be the second most wins ever. In an Indiana high school basketball season, God,
0: that's crazy to me. Like you didn't have a Class A or 2A team go undefeated in the last 13 years. And that Warren think, team, of I, course, I, I, was the team I that think, beat Romeo.
3: Yeah, I, I think part of it is too is that I think what you now have is that the teams that are really good in 1A, 2A, and 3A that have an idea of hey, we're, we have a chance to get to the state finals. I think the idea is hey, let us go, let's let's find a way to get some bigger teams in our schedule. Sure. Let, let, let's go play in these showcase events, or we're playing in the Hall of Fame Classic, whatever the case may be. I think those schools have really upped their schedule. So I'm sure you've got the list in front of you. You feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, um, but I think the only 1A, 2A, 3A teams that have finished undefeated, I think, is is Lewis Cash in '03 with Bo Bauer, and then Waldron with the Barnard Twins in '04. I think the other teams that have gone undefeated have all been in the 4A range off the top of my head. I believe that's the case.
0: Yeah, let me uh, – let, let me give me just one sec. I can find it. Addicts, 56. Yeah, you got to go way back. Um, yeah. Started hey, in
3: 1998. Right here we go <laughs> while we're
0: at it. You had 03 Pike, 03 Lewis Cass, 04 Waldron, 06 LN, 09 Bloomington South, and Princeton that year. And yeah, then, that's right. Yep, yep. And then there you since go. that year – just 2018, Warren, obviously the iconic semi-state game, uh, beating Romeo Lankford and company. So,
2: Greg, that that Waldron team you just mentioned was coached by Jason Delaney, who then later went correct. on and won with Trey Lyles and Tech, uh, then won with Cathedral, right? Correct. So, you know, Bill Green jumps to mind as somebody who has won at multiple schools. Is three the most for anyone, Coach? Yes,
3: and Jason is the only person that has done that, correct.
2: It's pretty impressive. Not only three schools, three classes, right?
3: Two two classes, just Tech and Cathedral, both 4A. Okay, but, but there you go. Yes, then in 1A and 4A, absolutely. Impressive. Rake TV, right? 3A, 4A tomorrow for you? That is correct. So, again, the 3A game, for those of you who want to watch Gary Catholic and, and Northwood, you got to find Valley Sports Extra, the Valley Sports app, or go to ihsatv.org because the Pacers play a kind of a weird time tomorrow. They play at 5, but because they play at 5, that allows us to put the 4A game back on the valley sports indiana main channel so i would imagine at some point in time in the 3a post game or or in the 4a or your preamble i'm able to say we welcome those of you joining us now for the pacers game on valley sports indiana
0: actually probably works out pretty well considering the anticipation with that 4a game coming up tomorrow night rake have a great call and thank you for all the insight this morning
3: of course fellas, take care buddy
0: that's a great Greg rake straw you heard him earlier this weekend noon to three as well and he's got the 3A and the 4A games for those curious. The morning session tomorrow over at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. Things will get underway with the Class A matchup. That is 15 and 15-12 Southwood taking on Lutheran. Uh, the 2A game, Blackhawk Christian, their head coach, Matt Roth.
1: Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up,
2: Kevin Inquiry on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan.
0: Jake, our next guest, my first period comp teacher at Cathedral High School. Easily one of the finest educators I've ever come across. Um, still have not forgiven him for a runner-up finish in the Knightstown Golf Outing at Royal Highlands, the Augusta National of Eastern Indiana. Uh, back, boy, that had to be a half dozen years ago. But more importantly, he's on the show because tomorrow night he is coaching the Garen Catholic, I think Golden Eagles, Does That sound right, I believe so, uh, in the 3A state championship game and is looking to become the fifth person in state history to win a state title as a player and as a coach. He is Bobby Allen and he joins us now. Uh, I guess I got to call you coach because this is like an official sports show. Coach, congrats. Good morning
4: good morning how are you guys doing that was uh that was an amazing introduction there I appreciate that I tell you, but I will tell you that Knightstown uh, championship is still under review so don't give up hope on that
0: yeah I feel like you're still at the scores table I feel like I'm watching a college <laughs> basketball game you've gone there about six times you're talking to the locals and uh, I I don't think we're ever going to get that uh, that trophy having said that uh, hopefully a blue medal for you tomorrow night we talked earlier in the show with Greg Gregstraw. Uh, it's been quite the tournament run for you guys. I know probably all the games haven't felt like double-digit margins to you, uh, but when the tournament started, do you think this was possible to be playing here in the final Saturday in March?
4: Wow. Um, I, we always believed that we had the talent to make a run, um, but we went through some ups and downs throughout the season where we we kept questioning what we were doing. I mean, we changed our offense three or four times just trying to figure out the right combination, and. I'll tell you what, we won eight straight games now, and the guys have figured out what their role is. And the most entertaining part, I think, for me and our coaching staff right now is that we can still get better, and that has kept everyone um, fully dialed into what we're doing every day in practice right now.
2: You know, this might kind of – to parlay off that, you might have just kind of answered this question, Coach, but you're interesting in terms of your, your career to me because you've coached You know, in private schools, you've coached in a township school. You've coached in a small-town school in Knightstown. I mean, Knightstown, LC, if I'm not mistaken. Obviously, now at Garen, you've been uh, a couple of different places. Cathedral, obviously, as Kevin mentioned, in different roles. Does the game, in terms of the coaching and the X's and O's of it, is it dictated by and the style of play changed by the size of the school and the area of the school? Or, in fact, is basketball just basketball and you teach the same thing no matter where you are?
4: I, I like to think that basketball is basketball. But, you know, of course, you deal with the talent you have and you make adjustments based on the players you have and what they can do. But, I mean, when I was younger, I was, I was JV coach at Cathedral. I mean, I thought I could outcoach anybody. It didn't matter who I have. I, I thought I could go out there and do whatever I did. Uh, and I, I just thought I could outwork people and outcoach them and, and get wins that way. But I went, when I went to Knightstown, I was 27 years old, and I learned real quick um, by some veteran coaches that I did not know what I was doing yet. Um, but, you know, I think, I, I think obviously some of the bigger schools have, you know, they have amazing talent, but the guys that we have on our team right now, I would take them up against anybody right now. We, I'll either go down with them or uh, I'll celebrate with them in the end.
0: He's Bobby Allen again, 3A state finals coming up tomorrow night. That will be Garen against Northwood over at Gamebridge Fieldhouse. Coach, obviously you have fond memories from your playing days in the state championship, slightly different venue. Curious, again, I know the venue is different, but walking into Gamebridge Fieldhouse yesterday for practice or, you know, any recollections, any memories to thinking back to when you guys won it all back at field?
4: Yeah, when I was a junior that year, in '98, we actually had our 25 year anniversary. Uh, Ray Straw was the MC the other night at the IHSA Hall of Fame banquet. Um, being around former players and former coaches, and then it's like we we it was it's like it happened yesterday. One of the things I do remember though, the R C A Dome, the locker rooms were just so far away. They gave us like an extra 10 minutes on top of the original 10 minutes just to run to our locker room back at the R C A Dome. That's when they cut it in half and they had the big curtain up. Um, But, you know, yesterday we got off the bus. We had practice at 9 a.m. All the boys were huddled up. We got the instructions on what to do. I was able to take my youngest boy, Everett, with me there. um, And the phones were out. Pictures were taken. Uh, Guys were looking up to the rafters. And and we took it all in um, for the first part of the morning yesterday. But we talked in the locker room before we took the court yesterday. And we had a 55-minute practice that was one of the most intense uh, focused practices that we've had all year.
0: For those that haven't seen you guys play, uh, describe the style that they're going to see tomorrow night.
4: You know, we, we're going to do our best to control the tempo tomorrow night. Um, we we want to run. We want to get out and run, move the ball in transition. Um, but that's keyed by our defense. and And our guys know they want to play that way. And we kind of made an agreement early on. I said, look, if you guys can get a stop, you guys can go do whatever you want. And they've embraced that. We gave up 11 points in the semi-state championship game to a really, really good Scottsburg team the other day. Um, but they got stops, and they went out and they ran, and it helped us build a, a significant lead there in the first half. Uh, but you'll also see when, you know, we – I probably won't be taking timeouts um, if they hit a big three or they hit a couple couple shots because um, our guys are able to control the tempo as far as working the ball when we have to, getting touches – finding where the weakness is in the defense and then taking a great shot that way. So we can kind of play, you know, at two different levels, um, which I think that's what makes us dangerous right now.
2: So if I had told you in November, this was going to be your mid-March schedule, late March, what would you have said to me? I would have said uh,
4: this conversation probably wouldn't be happening on the radio right now. And I'd probably be on the beach in Florida on spring break.
2: (laughs) But you'll take this (laughs) over the beach, right? Yeah, I will. That's coming soon.
4: Here, we've rescheduled that. Um, but no, I, I mean, we again, we we felt we had the talent to do this stuff. But I mean, we're twenty and eight right now. We were twelve and eight, and it was a point in the season where we're like, man, are we just going to be able to finish with a winning record this year? And you know, the guys stayed the course. Um, we have multiple guys who can hurt our opponent. We have three guards right now: Jack Sherry, Rob Sorenson, Kamea Chandler. They're absolutely unbelievable, and if, if one of them gets taken out, then the other two are going to step up. And then junior Dylan Morans is probably going to be one of the most athletic kids on the court who can score in bunches. And then sophomore Bryson Cardinal, who started JV for the first eight games of the season, we inserted him in the starting lineup, and his IQ and his energy has taken this whole group to another level.
2: And with that, when you have a player, I would think sometimes, Coach, you know, that I, I could see why intimidating is the wrong word. Bobby Allen's our guest, by the way, the head coach at Garen Catholic. Um, when you have a player whose father played as Cardinals did, you know, at the big time Division One level and in the NBA, what's that dynamic like in the fact that, you know, it, it, do, do the parents get hands on or do they kind of understand? Has Brian Cardinal been like, hey, you're the coach. I get it. He seems like he'd be that kind of guy. But, you know, what's that dynamic like? our
4: parents are incredible. They, I mean, they fully understand um, what we're trying to do and they support our coaching staff. Um, But, you know, I, I'm, I'm not, I don't know everything there is to know about basketball. Um, But I think that they see, you know, from our coaching staff, our passion and um, our love for all these kids. And they trust us, which is important, I think. Um, But no, I mean, they're incredible. He, he lets us and all of them. They let us do our job and, it obviously helps when you're winning a little bit, um, makes you look like you're making the right calls. Um, but it, it's fun to see people like Brian and some of our other parents who just have are, are incredibly successful human beings. It's fun to see them in the stands supporting what we're doing right now.
0: I will end with this. And we are, um, I guess we got about a minute or two left, but I know two people that have been instrumental in your coaching career, um, Linda Bamrick and the great late, unfortunately late, Rich Andrew, Um just what did you learn from those state champion coaches that you've tried to apply to accomplishing that tomorrow night?
4: Uh, they've both been there. They've both been in state finals. They've both been in tough situations where things aren't going their way. Um, just the ability to pivot and stay the course and really stay focused on the kids and getting them in the right place at the right time you know, doing the right things. Um, Obviously, Linda Bamrick is my aunt. uh, Just been incredible to have her and my whole family involved in all of this. I mean, my parents have been at every game. Um, They're the biggest fans that I think we have. My wife, my kids, all their fans. My wife's going to be sitting with a whole crew of people in the stands tomorrow. Um, It's fun to look in the audience and see all those people supporting you and, and, and knowing that you're doing things the right way. See a
0: purple and gold inside of Gamebridge Fieldhouse tomorrow night. Still not over the Knights Town outing. We'll never be over it, to be honest with <laughs> you, um, Bobby Allen. Thank you for everything comp wise, and uh, I'm rooting for you tomorrow.
4: Thank you guys so much. We can't wait for tomorrow.
0: It's Coach Bobby Allen right there on the Payless Liquors hotline again. Garen and Northwood at three A, and Jake that four A game. Boy, I, you know I know we. Can be prisoners of the moment. I can't recall a 4A game with this type of anticipation for an individual player in a town like Kokomo and an undefeated team in Ben Davis in quite some time.
2: Yeah, I I think the, I'm really fascinated by the Ben Davis not to take anything away from the kids of Kokomo outside of Flory Benunga, but he is so good and so dominant. You know, it kind of reminds me of like when Sean Kemp's Elkhart Concord team, which was a really good team. I mean, they had Jamar Johnson that had a great career at Nebraska, but that Muncie Central team was so good, and you know, obviously had Chandler Thompson as well. There was a lot of talent in both areas, but you had such one dominant player that focus was on that, and then Muncie Central as a team, it being the one that ended up winning it. So, I'm curious to see what happens to that. Ben Davis going for the undefeated season, Flory going for the dynamics of it. It's going to be fun to watch.
0: Southwood and Lutheran, the Class A, Blackhawk, Christian, and Lytton in 2A. We'll have all those games, and we'll recap all of it, plus the Final Four will be here coming up on Monday. Everybody have a great weekend. Talk to you then.